Good evening, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Talk Shoe. This is David Chandler, your host, and uh, tonight we're going to be talking about, or we're going to be continuing our discussion in the Illuminati and the New World Order. And uh, we're, we're going to be talking about something very interesting. It's going to be called the Age of Enlightenment. We're going to be talking about how all these secret societies came to be. And uh, before I started the show tonight, I was looking at an article that was pretty interesting. And it's, you know, it's a Christian website called World Internet Bible College. And uh, it's an article that a Christian writer wrote, and well, a Christian author anyway. And uh, it was talking about the so-called Age of Reason, the Enlightenment era in Deism. And uh, a lot of I'm pretty sure some of you have taken, or all of you that's listening, have taken American history and world well, not world history, but American history. This. And they, you know, everyone has learned, especially in college, everybody has learned of the enlightened thinkers like Descartes, um, John Locke, uh, Thomas Paine, um, you know, Voltaire, Shakespeare, all of these guys, uh, Francis Bacon, Mm -hmm. Benjamin Franklin, uh, George Washington, uh, you know, and they were all Immanuel Kent, uh, Kant, which, you know, 1724, 1804. All of these guys were known as enlightened thinkers. Mm-hmm. Don't forget and, Galileo. Say again? Don't forget Galileo. Oh, Galileo, especially him. Mm-hmm. And there's another Frenchman by the name of uh, Leibniz. I can't pronounce his name properly, but, you know, he was uh, born in 1646 and died in 1716, and Benedict de Spinoza, 1632 to 1677. Mm -hmm. And they were all major influences in the universities and amongst the the higher or the highly educated and ruling classes of Europe, Britain, and and America, the United States. But uh, the Age of Reason is also known as, of course, the Age of Enlightenment or the German rationalist age. German rationalism spread throughout the European world, Western Europe, Eastern Europe, and it was predicated upon the idea of reasoning, rationalism, which is also predicated upon the idea or the school of thought known as deism. Now, deism Mm. is the belief, it's a philosophy, it's a I don't want to call it a religion per se, but it's a philosophy that governed a lot of your enlightened thinkers like Ben Franklin and George Washington, all of these guys, and and, um, John Adams, all of these guys believed that there was a God, but they did not follow after biblical precepts. As a matter of fact, they, they denied 
a lot of the essentials of the Bible. For instance, they denied in the idea of supernatural miracles. They denied that the Bible was actually the word of God because it did not coincide with their idea of reason. In other words, it didn't make sense to them. Right. So um, they, Descartes developed the um, phrase, I think, therefore I am. Now the word I am there is is, is a reference to deity. Ooh. And so these men denied the essentials of the Christian faith, but they believed that there was a God out there somewhere. But they did not believe that it was enough to govern their way of living, their way of, of, of uh, reasoning, and things of that sort. So I'm going to name some of the things that they didn't believe, and I, I just got finished naming some of them. But the, mo- the, the rest of them was predicated on, on, on what I just said. And C here, um, letter C says, our emphasis should be on the nature and not God. In other words, we should focus on nature and mm-hmm. not the, man, the, the person who created nature. The Bible says in Romans chapter 1, verses, I think it's 24, pers- uh, you know, uh, professing to be wise, they became fools, And then it says, you know, they worship the creature as opposed to the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. So this is part and parcel to these men, uh, Descartes and um, Thomas Paine. They worshiped the God of reasoning. And uh, letter D here says, in the realm of ethics and morals, the highest good is equated within our own human understanding or reason. And humans must conform to the concept of natural law or natural justice. In other words, they believe that God is somewhere out there, but we should not adhere to anything that he has to say, or we should not believe the Bible. We should believe that human reasoning should govern the way we think and how we act and how we treat others. And so so this is part and parcel to this entire movement. And so the Age of Enlightenment ended up spreading throughout America, uh, going to uh, the college, the Christian colleges and the seminaries. And a lot of individuals, uh, pastors anyway, started taking their beliefs that, i.e., the uh, Jesus Christ is not God. They started questioning the validity of the, of the scriptures. They started um, questioning... Um, you know, uh, miracles and 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 things of that sort. So they started spreading the, their their doctrines into the Christian churches, and a lot of people that had discernment they separated from these churches and started their own churches. They started their own ministries, and that's how the Independent Baptist Church movement started. And it's a little bit of, of, of church history that I don't want to get into too much because it's going to stray away from the topic. But mm-hmm. um, I, I want to know, some. I'm just going to ask a few questions uh, in discussing the, when I, when I speak on the Enlightenment age, the, uh, w- w- what does that entail? What, what, what does that mean? Well, it means that uh, the emergence of the human race from a state of immaturity to a state of maturity, and that is 
saying that human philosophy is, like I said, like I just got finished explaining to all of you, the, uh, that human philosophy is the is is on the throne. It's, it's uh, pretty much um, the God that that they worship, that they gave, that they uh, bowed down to, and uh, so this is what the Enlightenment age was all about. And <clears throat> so the leaders of the Enlightenment said that human reason indicated that they were certain natural rights that each human has. So I'm pretty sure you guys have heard or the phrase um, life, liberty, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Uh-huh. And, and, you got and, certain inalienable rights. Right. God, yeah. Man has certain inalienable rights to do whatever. So this is in the Constitution, but what does that really mean in context? Well, it means that man has every right to worship any god that he freely wants to. Mm-hmm. And so this is what the enlightened thinkers believed. They believed that um, we can, you know, a lot of these, you know, uh, value systems have a biblical base, but the followers of the Enlightenment often define these ways in contrary to what the Bible taught. For example, their definitions of the concept of liberty, justice, and equality justified various types of wickedness in relation to sex and easy divorce. In other words, do what you want to do. Do what you want. Do what thou wilt shall be the whole of law. And their concept of the pursuit of happiness quickly de- de- degenerated into a, a worship of both God-given pleasures and evil perverted uses of these. So if you would, Najiti, um, kindly explain what other belief systems uh, these enlightened philosophers held to. Well, uh, you have to be a little more specific as to what exactly you want me to put out there, but um, I can actually go into a little more detail and what you was talking about, considering uh, the age of enlightenment, mm-hmm. uh, the one the one thing that stands out is that we're enlightenment. And anytime we deal with a group of people or a body of people who feel as if they are enlightened and they are of the uh, the, the how can I say the Cladenstein, or um, if I'm not, if I'm saying that word correctly, uh, a uh, more like a family group or a secret group, uh, like like the thirteen satanic bloodlines. Uh, you have people uh, wearing this word of enlightenment. You know that it comes all the way to us from uh, from the garden where the serpent told Eve that if she ate from the tree, then her eyes would be open. And that's exactly what, they, uh, what they're talking about. They're, they're, they believe that their third eye is open and, they, and that they have this possession of uh, some type of esoteric knowledge. But it takes you into a realm which is called uh, Gnosticism, 
and Gnosticism, although it sprung up around the first century A.D., uh, the religious concept or the philosophy has always been present since uh, the beginning of time or since the uh, garden. And it's pretty much like what you said. They um, they they feel as if you know uh, you have to focus on nature, and although there may be a God, uh, we don't really uh, he's not really involved in human affairs, and that again is the definition of deism, not mm-hmm. theism, but deism with a D, and. Uh, I want to quote Colossians 2, 8, where it says, Beware, lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the, after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world and not after Christ. And I'm uh, also quote 1 Timothy 6, 20. O Timothy, keep that which is committed to thy trust. Avoid profane and vain babbling." and oppositions of science falsely called, which some professing have erred concerning the faith. Now, this is a major problem that we have today because when we start talking about uh, like uh, literal science, like just basic science, and um, science, the definition of science pretty much in a nutshell is the observation of the physical world, the physical universe. That's all it is. So the word science is not mystical at all. It's just it's actually a, a verb because it's something that you do. But uh, as David pointed out earlier, you know, they have taken science as their method, method of religion, and they have placed that in front of God. And I'm reading Iranius. I have his book downloaded on my phone, and I, you know, I read. I've been reading for about three, four days now, uh, maybe even a week, and the, and some of the same things that uh that these Gnostics and these uh, New Ages believe now were some of the same things that they were uh, professing back then, and at the same time they were calling themselves Christian. So uh, this was prevalent throughout the. Uh, uh, the ancient world at that point in time. But, you know, when we look at science that's falsely called, one good example that we have with us today is evolution. And evolution, it, they will tell you, and I believe evolution plays in a part, plays in a role with this uh, enlightenment movement because it's also a part of the evolution of man. Man, uh, with the ideas of uh, Charles Darwin, they came in, uh, the origins of man and his theories on evolution, how man came from uh, pretty much primordial soup and ended up into an an intellectual being as of now. But we are still evolving according to these new ages and these enlightened folks because Mm -hmm we have yet to reach the pinnacle of uh, of knowledge, and that's what it is, gnosis. Iranians call it gnosis, and it just means knowledge. Um, mm-hmm. And if you go back to the garden, of course, you know what the forbidden tree was, the tree of good, uh, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. <clears throat> wow, that just opened my eyes wide up, really. <clears throat> yeah, 
So, um, and as David explained again, it spread it spread to America uh, around the 18th century, and then from there blossomed all of these secret societies, and not just the secret societies, but uh, these these counterfeit Christian cults. And Dave and I have been talking about these cults for about a month now, uh, the uh, Christian Science Movement, the Jehovah Witnesses, the Mormons. Uh, and by the way, we're not quite done yet. <laughs> I know, I know. But uh, and if but you I, notice, um, science. Um, before you guys move on, I, it's something that you said about the uh, science, the evolution. I believe that's the seed of the devil for people to believe that. And let me tell you why. Because if you force to believe, and, and this was all given by revelation of the spirit, thank God. You know, I believe that if you're forced to believe that this world evolved, then we'll evolve into the new world, which goes right into that whole new age creed and model that they, uh, you know what I mean, live by. You know what I mean? If you believe that this world evolved, then you're forced to believe that a new world would evolve. You know what I mean? And so that's just, like, and the Bible talks about a new heaven and a new earth. And so that's how they get you. They use the Bible and they say the Bible even talks about a new heaven and a new earth. And this is the new the new earth. When we discovered America was the new world, all that stuff goes right and along with the rudiments and the traditions of men of this world. You know, the Bible just tears them down. Um, Brother Najiti, you know, you hit that on the nail. I just wanted to add that in there, that that evolution, you know, um, being, being as a science, science being as to know, meaning to know, it's a verb, like you were saying, you know, that's just awesome how that stuff is just connect, man. I thank y'all brothers for that information, for real. It's oh, no problem. Amen. All glory yeah. be to God. All glory be to God, amen. And, uh, yeah, I mean, but you're absolutely right. that If they, see, forcing some, forcing people to believe in evolution won't work, you know, and this is this is why they it, like if you read in Jude, it says certain men have crept in unawares. And that's how they mm-hmm. operate. Right. You know, since you know, real slick. And that's exactly how Satan did in the garden. You know? right. Real subtle. Yeah, real subtle exactly. So you know, so he introduced this thing called evolution, and now that's part of the whole package deal with the new age of philosophy. And then what comes with that is, like I said, deism. Now, here, here's the problem uh, with deism, and this is uh, even even your most devout Christians don't know that they fall under deism, and it's uh, a byproduct of what we learned in the uh, public school system. Yes. Remember into that. Yeah, remember back in the uh, 40s, I think it was 1948 or sometime after that, where they took prayer out of school. And then people started crying. They wanted God out of school. So they got God out of school. 1962 was uh, Engel versus Vital, uh, and that was done by Madeline O'Hare. She went to the Supreme Um, Court. Oh, thank you you on that, Dave. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, appreciate it. But, um, yeah, you're right. Okay, that's that's right with O'Hare. And what happened is they took God out of the school, and now you got this crazy doctrine. And I, 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 I remember this old, this old black and white TV uh, series. Uh, it was a court case where they was arguing against creation and evolution. Wow. And 
on the on on that show, they pretty much gave evolution the upper hand. You know, of course, it's Hollywood. Mm-hmm. But after that, you know, what I'm saying you 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 saw that creationism and uh, the Bible is out of the school. So now all you have from the 60s till now is mm-hmm. predominantly evolutionary teaching. And it's not mm-hmm. even fact. It's still a theory. And mm-hmm. as a matter of fact, the theory doesn't even hold up to any of the so- supposed evidence that they have. Every piece of evidence they've presented has either been fabricated or it just doesn't exist. But what happened is that you have devout Christians who believe, you know, in what I call or what they call a, uh, what they call it, uh, a long, long earth creation. Uh, yeah. uh, I guess they would call it a gap theory. Um, but to the gap theory came, I, I get into, I'll get into that in a second. But the main point is, because of evolu- the teachings of evolution in the schools, now you have a lot of devout Christians who who don't take Genesis one one or Genesis one literally. Mm-hmm. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So they spiritual they spiritualize it, and the reason why is because they have a hard time dismissing themselves from mm-hmm. the evolutionary teachings, and so what uh, they probably don't go as uh, what they call full. Di- full deism mm-hmm. uh, because that would blatantly be uh, blasphemy, blasphemy towards God. But they hold to the same teachings that, oh, well, you know, to God a thousand years is a day and a day a thousand years, so God could have created the world in billions of years, so that still fits and all this other stuff. But another thing that happens, though, is that they start to question the deity of Jesus Christ. That's another thing uh, mm-hmm. that we pop up in the 18th century. All of a sudden, now you have, and I, and honestly, I believe it was more like a, a revenge move by the enemy because, remember, in, in the 16th and 17th century, the Word of God had been mass-produced, translated into English for the majority of the layman, the layman people right, uh, right. to read. So right. now, all of a sudden, in the 18th century, we see an explosion of all these cults so uh and the the one and as we went through all of uh, the last three or last four cults, they all have several things in common they uh they twist the scriptures, they deny the Trinity of God, and they also deny the uh, deity of jesus christ mm-hmm. so uh and that's that's pretty much um uh where yeah, we are now. Uh, can I add if you guys don't mind? Uh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, brother in the GT. Um, that 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 information is just it coincides from the um, research I do. You know, we do a lot of um, you know, online with the Facebook. I see you guys. Uh, you know, we communicate and we share and we we expound on knowledge. But you know, it's the bust that science thing wide open. You know, science shoots itself in the foot. Um, they had, uh, when I was doing my studies, because I'm a pretty logical person, you know, I wanted to really know if God was real. I took it real personal, you know what I mean? And so, you know, you had, you got to take stuff, stuff like that personal. And so I asked myself literal questions like, you know, why in the world do we even wear clothes? And so I couldn't even find an article in the library 
to explain that to you. You know, the only book I could find that in was in the book of Genesis. And then I started asking myself a bunch of questions like why we speak different languages. And I couldn't find that in libraries and I can only find it in Genesis. And I was like, wow, God is telling me something about that. You know what I mean? And right. so um, during the course of that investigation, I started to study science. And, you know, science has this little base theory um, when you talk about chemistry and and um, chemistry and biology. Um, they have the basic uh, unit, a measure, they say atoms, they bond together and make molecules. Molecules, they bond together and make proteins. proteins covalent bonding. bonding. Right. To make, uh, yeah, the covalent That's- bonding. And so that whole theory right there, um, they shoot themselves in the foot because, number one, now um, uh, molecules do not bond in oxygen, and that's a well-known thing in science. So um, science knows that when molecules um, reach oxygen, they tend to spread out, Um, and, and that's observable science. If you were to take a can of air freshener and spray it, those molecules inside the can, which are compressed, soon spread out into the air. And so um, that so oxygen tends to drive away molecules. And so um, if molecules don't bond in oxygen so th- and they don't bond in the air, then you would think that they can bond in the water, but they can't because it's a little do you know, there's a process in chemistry called hydrolysis. And that's mm-hmm. the process of water breaking molecule bonds. And I found this by the Holy Spirit through my own discovery, you know what I mean, just doing uh-huh. science discovery. And so it's a little-known process called hydrolysis, you know, and hydrolysis is the process of water breaking molecule bonds. And that can be observed if you were to put a drop of anything into water, those molecule bonds spread apart in the water. So that primordial soup that we all came out of water that theory is gone. We can never um, have evolved from water. So it had to be a point in time in the universe where there were no there was no oxygen present in order for those molecules to bond. But science has also concluded that there's always been oxygen present in the universe, hence the ozone layer. So if if oxygen if molecules can bond in oxygen or in the water, because water does definitely carry oxygen in a hydrolysis, which is like a law, you know what I mean? It's the process of water breaking molecule bonds. You know, if they can't bond in water, then uh, it must be a miracle while we're here. And it absolutely is. And so they they have a department called Intelligent Design, and it's um, intelligent design has been studied by scientists, and many of those scientists, they actually believe in extraterrestrial beings. They study um, DNA because they know that DNA is nothing but a bunch of information like a book, and they're trying to find out who writ- written that original book when all they got to do is open up your King James authorized version of the Bible and read. And so that's all I wanted to say. Thank you, guys. Well, yeah. no problem. Um, I've I've uh, went to school for science, Um well, I kind of started out going to college for for biology and uh pre-med and then I just went for English and writing. But um what you just got finished explaining with the hydrolysis thing it's called osmosis, which is a diffusion of water through a membrane. So, that's pretty much the same process. Mhm. And what water, when you pour water into a glass and then all of a sudden you pour oil into a glass, everything breaks apart. That's osmosis. It diffuses the molecules, i.e. the molecules break apart. 
Mm-hmm. So you don't get another form of liquid. What you get is a combination of two forms of matter. Mm. And those two forms of matter are staying in the same, uh, I, I guess the word I'm looking for is world. You know, They're staying in the same world without there being any kind of covalent bonding. When you have a, conv- a covalent bonding, you have what is called well, you have two molecules happy with each other, and I got to use this phrase so I'm not talking over everybody's head, uh, or the people that are listening anyway. And so, when you have, like, for instance, you have like water, and you have oxygen, those two molecules become happy with each other, and they bond, and they become another substance. That's not a form of evolution. That's a form of bonding. That's a form of what is called um, micro evolution. Right, and, that, and that happens. That happens na- uh, naturally. You know, it happens. That happens in nature. It's not. Yeah. Saying, yeah it, it's not uh, what they would consider macro evolution, and that's exactly what the New Ages. Uh, they suggest that we. Uh, you using the macro evolution that was presented by Charles Darwin. They use that to say, "Oh, we're not just we're not finished evolving yet. We're going to uh, evolve into higher beings. We're gonna uh, whether it's spiritual uh, spiritual beings, avatars, ascended right. masters. They have Absolutely. their own. They were going they to take the next That's new age teachings. Exactly. They have their own definitions for it, depending on who you're talking to." Uh, with the BHI, you're going to become gods. With the NOI, you're going to become black gods. With uh, Madame Blavatsky and all of them, uh, mm-hmm. you're going to ascended masters. So it depends on who you're talking to, uh, depending on what you would uh, become once that new, that what they call the age of Aquarius comes about. Uh, mm-hmm. Not only that, uh, somebody brought up aliens and UFOs. That's another thing that has become part of this mm-hmm. whole new uh, deception because with the UFO and alien uh, deception involved in this, now they would say, well, God didn't create us. It was the aliens who came down here and changed the evolutionary process of the homo sapiens. And mm-hmm. so and I honestly believe that the Age of Enlightenment, the New Age movement, uh, evolution and all of this uh, is leading up to the great deception uh, involving uh, the UFO deception. Well, right. Thank you uh, for for that. that that's a, a very interesting point you just brought up, the GT. Especially when you went into the. I want to pick. A, I want to pretty much pick up on or add to what you just said about maybe 10 minutes or 15 minutes ago. You, you were talking about the age of enlightenment, and I'm going to go on right after I make this point. But uh, you, you, you're saying something about how uh, Charles Darwin, who published his book, Origin of Species, and that's not the whole name, that's not the whole title of the book, by the way, but you were talking about um, his book, Age of uh, Species, or Origin of Species, which was published in 1859. 
by means of natural selection uh, given to uh, favorite races or something like that. And it was very, very popular to be racist back in those days. Uh, and all of these, you know, like I said, I, you know, it, it goes, it, it kind of, because all we're doing is trying to connect the dots here. So all of these things, this whole philosophy, this whole human wisdom idea, this idea that man is at the seat of human wisdom. We are gods because of human wisdom. And that led to what is the rise of what is called secular humanism. And that's all it is. It's secular reasoning without God. You know, we look to, the Bible talks about the wisdom of God supersedes human wisdom. You know, the, the Bible says in Proverbs, the, uh, <clears throat> the, uh, the beginning of the, the uh, I think it goes to, um, it's in the book of Proverbs. Um, oh man, I forgot the, name, the verse. But well, in all I getting, get understanding. Understanding of who? Understanding of God. The beginning of uh, 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 something is the beginning of wisdom. The, the, the beginning of the Lord, or something like that, is the beginning of wisdom. So we I believe... I got it right here, I think. Uh, uh-huh. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. And with all that getting, get understanding. Yeah, that, that that's... Uh, I was tr- trying to think of another verse uh, in the in the book of Proverbs, but it's not coming to me right now. But anyway, uh, I'll just go with that. So man says, no, we're going to do without that. We're going to do our own thing. We're going to say that um, our wisdom, human wisdom, supersedes the wisdom of God. So here we are going back to Colossians 2 and 8 and first. Timothy um, six twenty that um, science falsely so called um, and uh, you know because we've achieved all of the scientific uh, endeavors you know just because you know man has achieved all of these things where we don't need God because we did this all on our own. You know, all the scientific advancements, all the technological advancements that we see now, you know, we nobody knew anything about DNA until the, the 50s. And nobody knew anything about Cox postulates, which is the idea that of... Uh, okay, let me explain what Cox postulates is. It was discovered by um, a scientist by the name of uh, Herbert Cox, I think his name is, and he, what he did was he took a pathogen or a virus or a protozoan and he isolated it. And if it showed the same kinds of symptoms in a per, and then he injected it into the person. And if they, that person develops the same kinds of symptoms that the other person developed, then that, is, that virus or that protozoan is determined infectious. So that's what that is. And we see that how that's easily observable in a laboratory situation, but evolution is not. Right. But 
in any school that you, even the, the colleges and the universities, they're teaching evolutionary theory that man is continuing to evolve. You see all the evidence around you. Look at science. Look at te- technology. You know, uh, back in the 80s, we weren't able. There were no such thing as cell phones. Now look at us. We're talking on a cell phone. You're in Jersey. I'm in Delaware. You're in Delaware. I'm in New York. You're in New York. I'm in Maine. You know, or I'm on the other side of the world even. So all of these things are proof, so they say, that evolution is scientific. Well, no, evolution that does not prove that evolution is scientific. It only proves that science does not work outside of man working it. So right. somebody had to teach man how to do what he's doing. He had to have gone to school, and the person that was teaching him in these schools, in these colleges, these various colleges and universities, somebody else taught him, and somebody else taught the person that taught the teacher that, that's now teaching the student. So where did this knowledge come from? It came from God. It came from the Word of God. But deism and these enlightened thinkers don't believe that. They believe that they developed this knowledge and it came from somewhere. So, yeah, God is sitting on the throne like a grandfather, father, like a, a father time type of figure with gray hair extending all the way down to his knees. And he's just sitting back, okay, well, I'm going to just sit here and wind the clock up and I'm going to just sit back and watch the results. And so that gives rise to secular humanism. That gives that gave rise to a lot of your satanic uh, secret societies like theosophy, Christian science, uh, the OTO with Aleister Crowley, all because of their man's hunger to be God. I want to be like God. I want to sit on my own throne. Do what thou wilt shall be the whole of the law, Aleister Crowley says. But before that phrase was made popular by Crowley, um, Ben Franklin uh, joined the Hellfire Club and on the the, on the, um, the side of the building said, had that same um, phrase, do what thou wilt. So... This says, not only do what you do, do your own thing in the 60s, uh, but it, see, it says that you are your own God. You can live by your own philosophy. You can live by your own rules. You can live by your own ethics. You know, whatever is wrong or right is wrong. It's subjective. And this is what I want to talk about, subjectivism and human reasoning and so I'm going to go on here, um, hasten. Uh, point four, it's applied to the new scientific method or inductive method of Francis Bacon, 1561 to 1626. I, I, I didn't write anything, but I, I watched a documentary by Christian Pinto, very good documentary, about, um, I think it's the antiquities and the secret beginnings of America or something like that. And it was talking about Francis Bacon actually being the true writer of all of Shakespeare's plays. I don't know if that's true or not, but but Francis Bacon was the face of the French Revolution. He was behind all of it. And it wasn't because they were trying to gain... 
you know, uh, freedom from the fr- uh, from the British, but it was to uh, it was because of the secret societies that he was a part of. Francis right. Bacon was a part of the Illuminati, and so he was behind the French Revolution. And then all of this kind of strange though. After all this time in 1776, here comes. Um, the Illuminati started by Adam Weishaupt. It was the, on the same year that the this country's birth was on. And all of these 40 enlightened thinkers that signed the Declaration of Independence were all either deists or masons or both. Mm-hmm. And so the signers of this document said, you know, we you know we hold these truths to be self to be self evident. That you know, and and so all of the, what what truths? These truths are not biblical. And then when they talked about a god, it wasn't the god of scripture. It was a god that was, you know, that was somewhere out there, and he's just out there, and he's told us to just make it up as we go along. Because I'm not going to get involved. But that's not the god that we serve, according to scripture. According to scripture, our god is not. Is transcendent from his. He's not a part of his creation, but he involves himself in creation. We see this in plainly in scripture. All seven of of the dispensations point this out. Uh, God dealt with the Jews directly. God dealt with Adam and Eve directly. God dealt with Israel directly. God dealt with the church directly. God dealt with um, human government directly. God dealt with all the judges and all the, the the major and minor prophets directly and spoke with them, spoke to them through through dreams and prophetic messages and things of that sort. So that blows that theory out of the water. So, right. but, but here we are in this quandary, and, and now we're in – this is why the country – that we're living in America is in the um, the state that it's in, and and so uh, number five, it you know deny the Trinity, the God-given authority of the Bible. Already um, explained the reason why is they, the reasons why they did that. The the incarnation of Jesus Christ, i.e., Jesus Christ being God in the flesh, the atonement of Christ. On behalf of fallen humans, the resurrection of Christ, and the reality of being born again of the Holy Spirit. All these things are supernatural. They're, they're, they're all supernatural uh, in nature. Man can't do that. So since man denied, uh, man denied all of these things, you know, he said that they weren't possible because... It wasn't. It didn't make sense. Well, it you did know. Make... Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, you, uh, I'm done. You, you can you can uh, chime in if you want. Yeah. Um. Well, I know we got. Uh, I know I see somebody from Central North Carolina. Did you want to say something or uh, ask a question before we continue on? Hmm. Central North Carolina. Yeah, they all hung up. 
Well, I see somebody from Central North Carolina. Oh, that's me. That's me. Yeah, yeah that's me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they all hung up. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, North, uh, West North Carolina is was on the call, but she hung, or whoever that was hung up. And then she got back on. I think her phone was giving her some issues. Yeah, I'm seeing like a whole bunch of keep popping up and then drop uh, falling off. But I'm going to yeah. continue uh, just to touch on what you were saying. Uh, deny being born again. Like, yeah, they, they do deny the uh, regenerative uh, power of the Holy Ghost and deny that Jesus Christ is the only way. And, again, as we can see in many of these New Age churches, these, uh, what would you call them, uh, what would you call those churches that, the the Church of Relevant, Relevancy? Uh, 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 church of Relevancy. Are you, are you talking about emergent churches? Yeah, the emergent churches, yeah. And, you know what I'm saying, like, they want everybody... They want everybody to be friends, and the only way that they can do that is if they literally just throw Jesus Christ out and just make everybody God the one God, and that's what they do. Mm-hmm. But you know, Jesus Christ is the only way. Uh, and to be born again, see, they've, what they've done, they've pretty much redefined what it means to be born again and if you talk to a lot of Freemasons and these so-called uh, uh, enlightened thinkers, they would mm-hmm. tell you that gaining knowledge will get you to the point to where you are born again. You see, mm-hmm. this is where we, uh, again, dealing with evolution. It's like being born again is when your third eye is awakened. That's that's the way that they look at it. They don't look at Jesus Christ as being the only way or when you become saved that you become a new creature. But all day long, they have poked that scripture. That's the thing that gets me uh, upset. You know what I'm saying? If they have that, if you have your own doctrine, you know what I'm saying, uh, in your own religion, why do you have to borrow from the Bible to substantiate your 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 false claims? If your if your religion your new age religion was so tight it was so good why don't y'all have y'all own little Bibles that y'all can quote from but no they go straight to the Bible and they'll pull they'll pull verses like uh, the kingdom God says that the kingdom is is inside of you and they'll quote Jesus Christ talking to the Pharisees not knowing the context of what was uh, being said or anything about the uh, anything about the situation. Uh, again, they all deny Christ. They give credit to Jesus. They say, oh, yeah, Jesus Christ came as an avatar. He was one of the ascended masters. He was mm-hmm. sent here to teach mankind, these things, and then the next thing you know, uh, he was taken. But uh, if I'm not mistaken, it was Mary Baker Eddy who said that the blood of Jesus Christ was no good. Yep, that was him. I mean, her. <laughs> Right, so, uh, and this is a common thing amongst the enlightened ones. I call them these enlightened thinkers. They feel like uh, you might you might even see them on Facebook. You know these low level so called free thinkers because they use terms like 
oh, no, we don't understand the Bible. We overstand the Bible. Like, hmm. it's something superior to them to do. Uh, the tran- Looking at the transcendence of God. Uh, now, they say that God transcends all things, which he does. You know, God is, you can't get above God, you can't get below God. You know what I'm saying? God has to humble himself to declare the things of heaven. That's what the Psalms, psalmist says. God mm-hmm. has to humble himself. But here's the thing. They have taken uh, that to mean, first, God is transcendent. He's unattached in his uh to his creation, he has nothing to do with it, but yet they would say, but God fills all things. God is in everything, and everything is in God. No. Uh, we've, got to this, yeah, we've gotten to this discussion before uh, in the spirit-led discussions group where they were saying that, you know, uh, is, is, is the creation in God. And is God in creation? No, God is separate from his creation, but he is very much involved with his creation because God is love. We know God is love because creation, when he, when he was creating, the main purpose of his creation was for his, his, his ultimate creation, which was us. Everything he did from the beginning to the sixth day, it was for mankind. It was mm-hmm. for mankind to have dominion on this earth. But the uh, enlightened ones, these so-called enlightened people, they have taken it to uh, another level. They have taken it, uh, and, and the reason they do that, the reason they say that God is in all things and all things are in God is because what they're actually trying to say is that we're God, since God is in all things. So that means that we're God. And if God is in all things, then that means that we're God. But they want it to the point where they are God. They, like, they're God, and they don't want to look at uh, the consequences of disobeying God the Father, the only one, the only true God. Uh, they don't want to suffer his, his judgment. So this is how they reconcile, uh, reconcile the two. Oh, since God is in everything and everything is uh, is in God, then that means that we're God. And we go back to that whole uh, theory or that whole philosophy, do as thou wilt. Because if you're God, you can do whatever you want. Yeah. Uh, and this is this is the main reason, Dave, why I stopped believing that the uh, United States was is is a is a Christian nation. Like I don't care how many scriptures these founding fathers quoted. I don't care how many uh supposed holidays they supported and, and all this other stuff. I understand that God can use secular governments to bring about his purpose the way he did with Darius and uh, uh who was the king of Persia when he allowed the uh, Jews to come back to uh, Israel and uh, rebuild the temple, you know what I'm saying? But we know that the Persian Empire wasn't founded uh, by uh, by Jews or or by uh, by God. This mm-hmm. was a religion, a religious 
empire that worshipped the sun. They worshipped the elements uh, of the earth. They worshipped the, the, the host of heaven. And they worshipped the man as God. Same with the uh, pharaohs. But God used, God used Pharaoh, he used the Egyptians to um, do the same thing when the seven years of plenty and the seven years of uh, famine came. So this is the way I see America. America was that vehicle God used to help spread uh, the gospel around the world. But we got to understand that the founding fathers themselves, they held to a an oath and a, a contract to another body, which was Freemasonry. And uh, thinking about people, uh, like when you hear the term, in God we trust, and you see it on the back of the dollar bill or on the coin and money. Well, think of, like you said, they, and what God do they trust? Because you can't associate the God of the Bible with all these esoteric symbols you don't place on the back of this dollar bill. And not to get too far or too deep into the whole mystical mystery religion behind why they do these things, uh, we know, we know most definitely that the Lord God is not in reference here when it says, in God we trust. Because, again, God wouldn't be associated with Kabbalah and uh, the mystery religion. Uh, 1776, the Declaration of the Independence. Right around the uh, time of the French Revolution, a little bit afterwards, um, well, we've already talked about how the Illuminati was founded by Adam Weiss up in uh, 1776, and they so happened uh, to infiltrate the free uh, Freemasons. And I talked about in the last show how the Freemasons, they were already satanic, uh, mm-hmm. and the Illuminati just made it that much more satanic. So uh, those two were always, uh, they were walking par- parallel of one another, maybe not even uh, knowledgeable of one another, when, and I'm speaking of the uh, the Illuminati and the Freemasons, but I do believe that the Illuminati, who we call the Illuminati, started way, way back uh, as William Cooper calls them, the Brotherhood of the Dragon or Brotherhood of the Snake. And over time, uh, in order to bring about this new world order, the new world order pretty much in the, in, in the way that it was at Tower of Babel, I believe that's where they're trying to get back to. And again, 1776, Declaration of Independence. Now we did, now they uh, want to break off from the European branch of Illuminati or, or Freemasonry, and then you have the uh, War of Independence. But the thing about it is like, okay, you ha- you you have this concept which is called. Uh, Accidental history and conspiratorial history. In the accidental history, you'll find that in all your little public school handbooks. Oh, uh, the king, he didn't let them uh, keep the taxes, and he taxed the people to death, and 
our founding fathers stood up against this tyrant. Notice I'm using the word tyrant, right? So mm-hmm. they draw this Declaration of Independence. Now, mm-hmm. there were some there were some founding fathers who weren't part of these secret societies, uh, but the majority of them were. And I think it was only like like a handful. But in constructing the uh, Declaration of Independence, what they did is included this, this phrase. They wanted to, they called the king a tyrant. All right? A tyrant is a person who makes up laws for whatever reason. So instead of putting tyrant, when it comes to the Congress, when they was breaking up the subdivisions of the government, they said Congress had the had the right to be uh, had the right to legislate laws for whatever reason. In other words, they gave Congress tyrannical laws. So nowadays, when people start saying, "Oh, the Constitution," uh, the Constitution this, the Constitution stands for this. Well, if you think about it, the Constitution was written for this specific reason, to bring in all about this change in America. And this is why you don't see Congress doing anything about it, because uh, just like when they gave up power to print and coin money to the Federal mm-hmm. Reserve, they the ones made that decision. You see, they made that decision, and they have the right to do it. But this is one. This is one of those things that is hidden. Uh, uh, the language, the language is hidden from uh, people, and they don't really understand it. Uh, Ralph Eperson, in his video, uh, "America's Secret Destiny," he demonstrated how the founding fathers, Benjamin Franklin, and I'm gonna get on him in a second, how Benjamin Franklin, daggone, wanted to get. Uh, gunpowder, and he said, this is what he did. You was only allowed a certain amount of weight of of gunpowder, but he wanted a whole bunch of it. So instead of using the the word gunpowder, he asked for a large amount of grain. You see what I'm saying? Gunpowder is a grain. So they was probably thinking, oh, he wanted a whole bunch of food. So instead, uh, they approved his request, and then he got the gunpowder that he needed. And this is this is exactly how how they work. They use uh, different words or uh, different type of wording to trip people up, and for the most for the most part, it, it usually works. We know Benjamin Franklin was he's a Freemason. We also know he's part of the Illuminati. He was part of the Hell's Fire Club. Uh, and the, his, what another thing that I don't think a lot of people know about is his mansion that's located in Britain, it was excavated, like the basement part of it. And this is mm-hmm. where they used to have some of their ceremonies, some of their secret society uh, uh, hazings and uh, initiations and things of that nature, they found human bones buried in there, buried at his in his property. And it would make sense because the secret societies, for the most part, they were into human sacrifice. 
And it's the same thing. It's the same thing when you look at uh, the heathens of the Old Testament. They they burned their children to Molech. Uh, they sacrificed uh, uh, one another during the the feast harvest, like uh, like around this part of the time, like around this time of the year. Uh, they believed that the sun god, all of them, believed that the sun god was losing strength. And so starting tomorrow, which would be the 17th, uh, they would take a victim, whoever it is, and sacrifice him. And they would sacrifice hundreds of people at a time throughout this whole, this whole process as the sun continued to uh, sink further and further, and it would be the longest night ever. They was like, oh, once he has all of the sacrifice needed, then he'll gain his strength and he he will uh, resurrect and, and strengthen up again. Then that takes us into the spring season. So all of these things are not unfamiliar to the Freemasons because a lot of their ideology and philosophies come from those ancient cultures. Um, looking back at the French Revolution, uh the French Revolution, again, accidental history versus uh, conspiratorial history. The accidental version will tell you there was a famine or there was a uh, – uh, 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 the French people were starving. and But the reason why this uh, – hold up. I don't want to jump ahead. The reason uh, why it was happening is because – uh, the king and the queen was holding back rations. They weren't paying the uh, the bankers, and they was hold, holding the uh, the rations of food from the from the common folk. But in actuality, it was the bankers who are part of the Illuminati, and this is the conspiratorial view. But it's backed up by historical evidence that the Rothschilds were buying up a lot of the rations and storing the food away from the people, and then started started to create what they call these uh, false flags. And the same way they do today, you know what I'm saying, they get you, uh, get you upset with one group of people and say, oh, look at these people, look at how they are treating you, and uh, uh, pretty much lying. And that's what they were doing. They lied on the king and the queen, which ended up causing the king and the queen to have their heads cut off. And now, yeah, and, 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 and yeah, and, and exactly. Uh, this is what uh, we see now. You know, the, the Rothschilds were like a, a banking family. They ruled throughout Europe, Germany. Well, they started out in Germany. They they were all banking uh, bankers, and they were the they were the ones that were making. The uh, they were in charge of making the money. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? They they, they kind of gave the money its value. You know, they gave the money its value, and and so you, you look at the Federal Reserve Act of 1913. All of those people that congregated in on that island, um, Jekyll's Island, it's what it's called, and they did all the Woodrow Wilson sent them all to. Um, you know they were all on vacation for the holidays, and so 
uh, one of the bankers walked up to him and said, "Hey, look, um, you know, if we, if you give us, if you sign this this law into law, then we'll make sure that you end up president." And so, you know, he was naive. He didn't really know what was going on. He got into the presidency right after, right out of college, so he didn't really know what was happening. So he said, "Okay, I'll do it." And so they signed it into law. And so it's kind of fascinating that 20 years later, America went into the Great Depression of 19 of the 1930s. Mm-hmm. And so, how did they get out of this Great Depression? Well, they had to borrow money from the Federal Reserve Bank. They had to borrow currency, and so the money that they borrowed from the bank, they had to cert- they had to have it circulate throughout the entire economy to get it. Boosted up, just like now, it's sort of kind of like today's version of a stimulus package. Sound familiar? Yeah. So uh, they 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 had to circulate it throughout the entire uh, economy to get it, you know, boosted up again. And so that's how we got quote unquote out of the Great Depression. But that money was fiat money, was based off of nothing. It wasn't worth anything. You know, it was just paper. And and so this is how the, but see the 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 Rothschilds did all of this. You know, uh, J Morgan Chase, JP Morgan Chase, that was that's a bank that's owned by the Rothschild clan. Bank yeah. of America, another bank that's owned by the Rothschild clan. Yeah. And so all of these banks buy each other out and then they continue. By the way, did you know that they increased rate the the Fed increased the 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 rates of the uh, the of the the currency, and you mean encourage the production? No, they actually increase the rates of the currency. What you mean? Like uh, they uh, you oh, mean the, the 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 purchasing power? Yeah, that that's what they did. They the purchasing power of the. Um, How can the, they do that? How can they do that? Unless the only way they can do that is if the uh, production of inflation has slowed down. That's the only way that they can do that. Well, that's what they claim. They claim that the rate of, um, you know, the the, the that the rate of uh oh man I'm of uh oh god I'm um please help me the 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 rate of uh, I'm drawing a blank uh, but continue on <laughs> oh I was pretty much done I was just saying oh. that uh you know what I'm saying how the uh connection between the uh the historical events that took place and what we're told is not actually the truth because there was a hidden hand uh, behind everything that, that was going on. Hmm. Well, thank you for um, that explanation because it kind of opened my eyes to, well, not necessarily to what's really going on behind the scenes, but, you know, how they were able to change laws and 
get the people to follow after it. They were able to get the people to, because the pe- by this time, I guess the people were already dumbed down or they did a lot of convincing to make them agree with what, see, when you can control the economy, when you can control the currency, you can control people. And that's what they did. That's what the Rothschilds did. They again, like they they were bankers. They were the, the richest family in the world, and um, they. But but again, I, I was telling you about the Fed. They were able to increase the rates on the currency because they believed that inflation had slowed down. That's what I was trying to say. The word inflation. Oh, okay, and so, yeah. So hey, well, since, you got West Maryland back. Uh, I don't know who. Uh, West Maryland, who's calling? Who who just stepped on the line? It's Jamel. Oh, what's up, Jamel? What's up? Yeah, we're just going and uh, now we're talking about the Federal Reserves and the Rothschilds. All right, cool beans. Yeah, everybody else has dropped off like flies. They were like, oh, these guys are getting too deep. <laughs> but... um. <laughs> Yeah, they were like, nah, we don't want no parts of this crap. No, I don't know what happened to Daniel, because Daniel was on, but I I think it was some type of technical difficulties. I don't know. Might have been. There was another caller on here, but whoever it was just disappeared again. They might have sensed that I was on and got fooled by Bart Ehrman. I was like, oh, we got to get out (laughs) of here. No, 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 no. We weren't talking about Bart Irvin. I, I don't even know who that is. Evelyn bring, brought that up, and I'm like, who? I'm glad she did, though. Yeah, no, no, I, I continue mean, on, guys. I'm listening. Okay. But, but yeah. Uh, real quick, real quick. Um, what, what is it specifically? Because even this whole topic about uh, Bart, what's his name, Bart Earl? His name is Bart Ehrman. He's a he's a scholar. He's a religious studies scholar, and uh-huh. he actually made he actually has a few good writings that that uh, support the the historical validity of the Holy Bible and the New Testament scriptures. He I mean he uh, he he comes off as a Christian because he supports many of the Christian things, but he follows or he created an image of an entirely different Jesus. Uh, there's a movement going around supposedly called the Historical Jesus Movement oh, where man. they he supports the idea of a Jesus being existing in history, but he doesn't acknowledge Jesus as Lord or God. He's not a believer. Well, see, that makes sense. Uh, this is, I've heard, I heard about this term, Historical Jesus, in 2005. And oh, I was it's new to me, so <laughs> yeah. But I didn't know I didn't know anything about Bart Ehrman. But the concept of a historical Jesus was coming up a whole lot around that time, um, and then that led. I'm gonna tell you that led me into doing a, a study or research on a paper that one of our so-called uh, uh, civil rights leaders produced. And it was called the historical Jesus, Martin Luther King. Really? Yes, Martin Luther King wrote a paper. Uh, I think it was called the historical Jesus. Literally, I think that's what it was called. Uh, but it, in 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 his in his article, 
and you can find it in, on the Smithsonian website, Martin Luther King, the Martin Luther King papers, I think they call it. Um, he denies the Trinity. He denies the deity of Christ, uh, although he agrees that Jesus Christ was a historical figure. What he said was that uh, Jesus Christ was a, a good man, and he was, he was such an inspiration, a charismatic leader, that his disciples personified him as a god. And it's funny. It's, this isn't the first time that I've heard that Martin Luther King was not a believer. He, yeah, he wasn't at all. <laughs> this isn't yeah. the first time I'm hearing it. It's just not I didn't even. know. I had no idea about this particular movement, so it caught me off guard. Like, these guys literally support the Bible. They they use it as a historical document. It's just I had no idea that there was a movement called historical Jesus, where they're preaching an entirely different Jesus, completely removing the deity of Christ. I had no idea. Uh, when you look at it, Jamel, it's, just, it's the same thing as what the New Ages do. And right. I always when Martin Luther King gave that I have a dream speech, I swear it sounded like a New World Order speech. That's what I call it. Right. You know it was. Right, and right. As a matter of fact, Martin Luther King, in that article, he went even as far as uh, talking about some of the things that you would hear Kemet folks say today about the uh, birth of Jesus Christ and all this other stuff being associated with the Egyptian god Horus. He went that far. Wow. Wow. I mean, it's crazy how these people are borderline That's, Jesuit priests. <laughs> it's unbelievable. <laughs> like, they... Now, uh, we, we talking about... We're talking about... Now, this show, uh, David, we're talking about the Illuminati and the New World Order. And this fits in, uh, Jamel, you jumped right in at the perfect time because that whole thing about Martin Luther King, uh, Frit, not Fritz Springmeier, uh, Moron Fagan, gave a, a, a two-hour speech, and he identified Martin Luther King Jr. and Malcolm X being a, uh, what you call it, uh, what do you call it? clients, not clients, but uh, agents, uh, being agents of the New World Order because they were created by a guy named, not created, but they were uh, helped by a, game, a guy named Joseph Skiff. Now, Joseph Skiff, not Joseph Smith, uh, was it Joseph or Jacob Skiff? I think it's Joseph Skiff. I'm going to look it up while I'm talking. But Skiff, he not only helped bring about the NAACP, because I know you've heard uh, that the NAACP was created by white Jewish men, uh, but not only that, they helped create a lot of, like the uh, the NOI. They had uh, a hand in that. They had a hand in, uh, again, Malcolm X. They had a hand in Martin Luther King. As a matter of fact, Martin Luther King uh, is shown in one of his school pictures as being part of uh, a, a commun- uh, sitting in a communist uh, class. Now, 
Highlander Folk School, right, which, was, which was founded by a guy by the name of James Dombrowski. He was a communist, and uh, they they were all there, King and Rosa Parks. They, they, they were all there, and their goal was to create racial unrest, to there cause racial uh, discomfort in the communities. So King would go out and start preaching and nonviolence and things of that sort. The whole feud between him and Malcolm X was just, it, it was nothing more than a fabrication. Well, it wasn't a fabrication, but it was pretty much, well, that wasn't the word I'm looking for, but it was pretty much uh, under the scales of them trying to make it seem like it was more than what it was. I think they were all in it together. You know, because it, it's strange, though, how they all came around the same era. They were all born around the same year. They were all talking about the same things. Only difference was King was less controversial than Malcolm X. And so they got on television and they, and, and they said, well, well, Malcolm X said that he didn't agree with King's way of going about uh, delivering the black man from white man from the the, the 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 clutches of the white society and things of that sort, and then King said, "Well, we I know you don't agree with it, so let's come together and and let's just work together." And, you know, I know uh, you. You know, so almost that's how there was a glimpse about. of Chrislam because Martin Luther King was a false Christian, and Malcolm X supported fully the Nation of Islam. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, yeah, look, look, look at. Um, and this all goes back to Obama. Look at the the whole civil rights movement as a whole. And I know it sounds like for all those that are listening, I know it sounds like we're getting off topic, but just bear with us because this all ties in together with the New World Order. I want you to pay attention to what I'm about to say. I'm going to get real philosophical. The Hegelian dialectic encompasses everything that we just talked about. Everything. Those shootings that happened in California, problem, reaction, solution. Those shootings out there in the, the in that theater, Batman with Adam, uh, what's his name? I can't remember his name right now, but the, the uh, Adam Adam Lanza. Uh, all of that, you know, Virginia Tech. Um, even the, the 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 shootings in in Columbine. I don't know if that was a part of the whole situation. But even back during those days, uh, civil rights, it was a part of the Hegelian dialectic. And I'm going to explain what that is. That George Hegel was a, a philosopher, and he developed this whole idea of the Hegelian dialectic, which comprises of what I just got finished explaining, problem, reaction, solution, or... Uh, thesis and uh, thesis antithesis and synthesis. I'm sorry, mm-hmm. synthesis antithesis and thesis. And okay, I'm going to come to you with a, an idea. Okay, God's word says such and such. You come to me with an antithesis, something that's totally antithetical or and an, well antithetical to what I just said or to what I believe. And then we're battling back and forth until there's a, um, 
a conglomeration or a synthesis of my belief intermingled with your belief, and now we're going to have we're going to work together because now you it, it can't you, you know you you decided to try to it's almost like um my belief uh, you know I, I'll believe what I believe for a period of time and then I'm exposed to something totally different from what I believe, sooner or later I'm going to believe what you believe. And that's what the Hegelian dialectic is, problem-reaction-solution. It's uh, an amalgamation of beliefs. and Well, it's not an amalgamation of beliefs. It's, a, it's, it's all predicated upon the changing the culture and trying to uh, elicit or trying to um, disrupt the social atmosphere of you know the, of what's going on around them. So if I can, and that encompasses race. You know, we, we're having all these racial wars and things of that sort. The socialists are very, very adept at doing this. If I can get, if I can create social unrest you know you know that man he's out the white man is out there and he's trying to keep you down you know that white man over there he he got hired and you didn't so now i'm angry at him because i can't get a job it's not because i can't get a job because i'm unqualified i don't have the education that he has don't have the talent that he has or I just don't have what that company is looking for. So rather than for me to go look for another job that I'm qualified for, I am going to say, hey, look, you're being racist against me. So this philosophy was carried throughout the entire civil rights movement. So you got guys like Jesse Jackson, Al Sharpton. Um, as a matter of fact, Al Sharpton marched with King during the 60s. And yeah. he was a socialist. Uh, you had Reverend James Shuttleworth, uh, I think is his name, who marched with King. You had uh, a lot of your Baptist pe- preachers that believed in what is called black liberation, black liberation theology. And back in those days, that was pretty popular with a guy by the name of James Cone. And he followed after that doctrine. And so... You you go to any black church, not all of them, but most of them, and they teach the same thing. They preach from the same pulpit that the white man is trying to keep the brothers down, and so we have to rise up against it by starting a revolution or revolutionizing the culture. So this is why there's so much civil unrest. This is why there's so much racial unrest. And I believe that Barack Obama's behind most of it. I don't think he's behind all of it, but he's behind most of it. And the the civil rights movement was a catalyst to what we see now. And so the New World Order practices the Hegelian dialectic. Everything that we just got finished talking about, like I said, has something to do with that. Right. Everything exactly. that you see has something to do with that. Uh, 100% agree. And uh, I think this is how people get confused because it's like, 
pretty much what it sounds like what they're doing is they create the problem and then they create the solution. And people affected by it, uh, for instance, I mean, like racial injustice, it, it was a, it's a real thing. You know what I'm saying? It was a real thing. But when you have the people behind the scenes uh, actually funding, for instance, the KKK, uh, how they terrorized free blacks after the emancipation, uh, the government was very much aware of what the Ku Klux Klan was doing. As a matter of fact, there were government officials a part of the Ku Klux Klan. There were sheriffs and police officers a part of the Ku Klux Klan. Um, But looking at the origins of the Ku Klux Klan, the Ku Klux Klan was created by uh, Albert Pike, as we uh, discussed before. And Albert Pike, he was a Confederate uh, general, and uh, this was shortly after they lost the uh, Civil War. As a matter of fact, oh my goodness! I mean, we can go through so many, so many things that done happened. The assassination of Abraham Lincoln, the guy uh, John Wilkes Booth, he was a Freemason. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? So it's like it, their dirty hands are stained with oh. the blood with so many people. And going back. Uh, what I was talking about, uh, his name is Jacob Skiff. Uh, Jacob Skiff, he was a, a Jewish banker of the Rothschilds. And uh, you said Jacob Skiff? Jacob Skiff. Jacob oh, Skiff. Yeah. Uh, it says that he pulled the strings on the Russian Revolution, including the savage murder of the Tsar Nicholas II, and his family. All right, now, I know in high school uh, they told us that the assassination of the czar uh, brought about the Great War in uh, the early 1900s. Uh, that's World War One. Well, what they didn't say is that his murder was orchestrated by uh, Jacob Skiff. And the reason being is because some years back, the czars refused to jump on board with this whole plan of the New World Order. As a matter of fact, they stopped their plans in the early 1800s, and uh, it caused caused a lot of grief amongst the Illuminati or the body of the Illuminati and the Freemasons. But Lord Rothschild, the guy who uh, who founded the Federal Reserve or the central banking system operating here in America, he vowed that he would uh, he would take care of the Czar's government or the Czar's and institute uh, the next wave of the New World Order or the plans of the New World Order. Now, going back to Albert Pike, anybody can look it up. You can. Uh, in his book, Morals and Dogma, he lays out a strategic plan to bring about the New World Order. The first plan, the first thing to do was to create a communistic government and to use that government to spread 
throughout all of Europe. After he did that, uh, continued to cause uh, communism to spread uh, to the rest of the world. And the last phase was to bring the religious war, Islam, Christianity, and Judaism, place them, uh, cause them all to come and fight against each other so much that it would drain each one's uh, economic uh, uh, substances to the point to where they wouldn't be able to, you know, they would be in so much debt that the central government or the Federal Reserves or the international bankers would have to come in and thus bring about order out of chaos. That, can I uh can I can I, can I uh uh follow after what you just said? Yeah, go ahead. Uh, now w- when you said that communism, uh, I, I totally believe everything that you just said because communism started in 1917. We we have two guys. You have Vladimir Lenin, and you had an American by the name of Leon Trotsky. Mm-hmm. And they came into Russia in 1917 and started a revolution. How how did they do this without any money? Nobody, because everybody knew what communism. What? Well, let me let me take that back. Everybody understood what communism was. So how did they accept it readily? And because well, it's something that Vladimir Lenin said. He said that we're trying to start a utopian society where everybody can uh, get a hold. Everybody is working. Everybody gets their equal share. You know, the the rich will um, the money from the rich will trickle down to the poor, and everybody is going to be able to come together and to a common goal. Well, this this didn't happen, so this is why Lenin said that we have to do this by force. And by the way, Lenin said that we're trying to start a new world order. And he said to his people out there in Russia and Ukraine that the only way we can start this new world order is by revolution, force. Because it's not going to happen any other way. It's not going to work any other way. We just so they ended up killing I don't know how many millions of Russians. Then when he died, then all of a sudden um, Stalin took his place, and he was even worse than Lenin was. And then after that, then communism started to spread. It spread throughout the, the world in uh, China in 1949. Then you've had, then you have uh, uh, in in uh, Africa in 1977 with Idi Amin. Then you had, uh, then uh, of course, you, you you look at even now. You know, you see certain instances of communism um, here in America, mm-hmm. and but communism was something that the elite set up. Because the elite said that we have to start a new world order, and the only way for us to do that is to uh, is by revolution. So the, the cultural Marxists came in 
in Frankfurt, the Frankfurt the uh, Frankfurt School in um, in Germany, they said, well, okay, they're, they're all part. They're all, all part of the same um, mindset. Just in case you're wondering, they're not opposite of one another. But the, the the cultural Marxists said, well, okay, if we can't beat them, then we'll join them. We'll in, we'll increment our we'll implement our ideas into the culture. Since we can't get them to accept our ideologies by force, we'll, imp- we'll slowly but surely we'll implement our ideas into the culture. We'll weave our way like, like a snake. We'll weave our way into society, into sections of the arts, philosophy, science. Oh, did I mention education? Let's go into that, shall we? I'm, I'm going to touch on it a little bit, and then I'm going to let Manjit finish his point. But education, we look at this Tavistock Institute, and we look at three key figures in the education and in, in, in the public education movement. We have G. Stanley Hall, we have John Dewey, and we have another individual. We have another individual that um, I'm, I'm having a, a problem uh, naming off the top of my head, but we, we have three key figures in the entire um, education system. John Dewey, he was, we know he was a socialist. He didn't believe in God. He believed in evolution, and he came up with the idea of outcome-based education. At G. Stanley Hall, who was a psychologist, and he had something to do with how people read and how people think. So the communists said, well, we'll affect how people think. We'll, we'll change education. In EGT, you talked about accidental history, and you talked about – I'm going to add something to that, and it's called okay. revisionist history. Revisionist Bingo. history is um, – we're going to change everything. We're, we're going to change the truth into a lie. The Bible says, you know, and they change the truth into a lie. So this is what these philosophers have done, these guys, all of them. They've changed our history. So we don't want them to know that all of those communist figures were brutal killers and mass murderers. We don't want them to know that. As a matter of fact, don't teach it at all. Don't teach about Stalin and Hitler and what they really did. Teach about Christopher Columbus discovering America in 1492. He was the first man to discover the new world. Teach on... Um, he was a mason, too. <laughs> say again? I say he was a mason, too. Yeah, he was a mason, too. Teach on um, how the slaves, how we were all enslaved... By the white man, no. We were all enslaved. Didn't anybody tell you about the the African uh, slave trade? The Muslims, black Muslims, uh, you know, trading black slaves into, you know, selling black slaves into slavery. No, we're not going to talk about that. We're we're going to just talk about things that are convenient. And so the only way we can affect education is if we change the information. And so now here we are, you know, you got college students that go to some of the top colleges and universities in the country, don't know who Adolf Hitler was and what he did. They don't know who 
Joseph Stalin was and what he did. They don't. So, so this is how they're able to vote for candidates, presidential candidates who are openly communist, who are openly Marxist, because the education and the education system, they're not taught to think for themselves. They're taught to uh, regurgitate what's being taught to them. They're indoctrinated, in other words. So, Najiti, if you would continue your 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 uh, what you were saying, you know, your thoughts. Okay. Well, I mean, you pretty much just covered it. Um, I just wanted to point out the fact that the uh, – I'm sorry, I got distracted. <laughs> um, oh, sorry. Yeah, I just wanted to um, point out, again, you know what I'm saying, looking at Albert, Albert Pike's plan, uh, communism was used. They killed the czar. Jacob Skiff is the one who orchestrated it. He's a he's a banker, and he fulfilled the promises by Lord Rothschild to get rid of the czars for holding up the plans of the New World Order. Mm-hmm. As it spread, like you said, it spread into Europe, and then all of a sudden it started spreading into the Latin American areas. And, mm-hmm. and then America stopped it. And then the next well. phase... Hello? Yeah, I'm here. Okay, and so now the next phase, we are in that next phase. We are literally here. About As a matter of fact, I believe it started in 2001 with the war on terrorism, and it all makes sense now, you know what I'm saying, to bring this order out of chaos that uh, we were talking about earlier, and Looking at all the things that entail this new world order, when we look at the political side and the religious side, it's going to be merged as one. It's going to be a, a, a whole body. Uh, it's, it's going to be merged as one. We're going to have a one world religious system and a, a one world government. And in order for that to to happen. Of course, you got to get rid of the Christians because the Christians ain't going to stand for it. We are going to be the haters. Uh, and this whole war that we have against uh, terrorism, we know that's predominantly Islam because Islam is the one who's creating all the terrorism around the uh, world, uh, whether it's by proxy or literally they're the ones doing it. This is where we're at, and the plans for the New World Order, according to Albert Pike, is happening right at uh, right on scale. Uh, Dave, I know we're coming up on the second hour. Um, yeah, um, I don't know. There, There isn't a lot of people on the line except for Jamel. So, um, Jamel, if you would, um, if you have any questions, comments, you want to add to what was just said or I am still still about this whole Mark Ehrman thing, man. (laughs) (laughs) You can't let that go, can you? It's it's really bothering me that I was tricked by this entire thing. I mean it's not like I was following the guy's doctrines into unbelief, but the fact that just the fact that I was Believing it, you know, because in fact, the things he was saying solidified my faith. Like he, I could almost 
I felt like the man was legitimately a believer. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I'm like, wow, this guy's really proven that Jesus Christ existed. That's awesome. It comes to find out he says with his own lips that he wasn't a believer. That's crazy. Yeah. Sorry that you lost your, your best friend. I'm I'm so sorry. No, I'm, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, I mean I'm more so it's more so I'm trying to fix now that that bridge that I created because at one point in time I was saying, Hey look, check this guy out. He's proven the history of Jesus Christ in the New Testament canon. Like I you know what I mean? I was promoting his stuff. <laughs> Did you do any background research on the guy first? What I did was I read his uh, biography. His biography, he was raised by a Christian family. He himself said his biography even says he's a Christian. Well, I don't I mean, know. Maybe given he was the saying biography, the Given the fact that his biography was made some 15 to 20 years ago, I, I mean, wow. things changed. Do you know what I mean? So. Yeah, after 20 years, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's uh, a while ago. He might have changed his views um, last year, as far as we know. But there's another thing that I wanted to get into before um, I – it's 10.50. It's about 20 minutes at – well, not 20 minutes, but it's 10 of – about how the New World Order affected religion. Now, Najiti, you brought this up. You know, we've already discussed the political side of the one world order, this new world order that um, <clears throat> we see prophesied in the book of Daniel and in even in the book of Revelation, Revelation chapter 13, as a matter of fact, uh-huh. and Revelation 17. I, I want to focus on Revelation 18 because, well, Revelation 18 is the political side, I'm sorry. Revelation 17 is the religious side. I want to focus on that. And what we have in Revelation chapter 13 verses 1 is a woman. We we have John saying, or God showing John, a picture of this woman, or this, um, you know, it, 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 it's an, not an image, but it's a, the, the, the woman, the symbol of a woman is uh, evident in this picture, in, in this uh, particular passage. And this woman that's riding the beast is symbolic of false religion and right. the beast is 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 symbolic of the um political is the political aspect of this one world order right. so again we're connecting the dots man we and all we have to do is just look at, open the pages of scripture and it all helps us connect or correlate what we've been talking about for the past hour and a half and or more. So <clears throat> the political structure of this new world or the political side of the political end of the new world where we just got finished discussing in detail. Now the religious part. John said that he saw a beast rising up out of the sea. And so this sea is symbolic of people, a a large number of people of all nations, tongues, and ethnicities. And any time you see the word see in Bible prophecy, always take note that it's talking about um, 
a group of people from all walks of well, not all walks of life, but all nations, tongues, and 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 ethnicities. So the woman is riding this beast, and so when I go down, it says the mother of harlots. You know, and as a matter of fact, I'm going to read that that passage of scripture right now. If you would turn with me to the book of Revelation, chapter 17. And I'm going to start at verse 1. And there came out of the seven angels which had the seven vials and talked with me, saying unto me, Come hither, and I will show you, show unto thee the judgment of the great whore that sitteth upon many waters. The verse 2, With whom the kings of the earth have committed fornications, and the inhabitants of the earth have made drunk with the wine of her fornication. Now, I'm going to stop right there, because this is what we're seeing now. When the Pope came here to Philadelphia in September, everybody shut the city down for this man. The whole Mm -hmm. city. Nobody can get to work. Nobody can come home from work because of this one man. You know, uh, preachers, pastors from all uh, Protestant denominations came to see this man. Uh, all uh, the mayor, uh, members of city council were all sitting around this person, and they were worshiping this person. And I said to myself, this is a political, there's something political about this whole thing. Not just religious, but political. Why is it that? They're treating this man like like he's the second coming of some, uh, you know, God-man. Or he's being treated like he's the second coming of Christ, or he's tr- being treated like he's a this all-powerful political figure. Well, this is right out of the pages of what I just read. And, you know, verse 2, with whom the kings of... Uh, uh, so, verse 3, I'm sorry... So he carried me away in the spirit to the into the wilderness, and I saw a woman sit upon a scarlet beast, full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. Verse 4, And the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet color, and decked with gold and precious stones. I'm going to stop right here, because I believe that this is the Catholic Church, and the Catholic Church is going to head this one world government, well, this one world order, or the religious portion of the one world order. And uh, there's going to be a conglomeration or an amalgamation of all of these religions during the last, during um, the Great Tribulation. And at the top of the list is going to be, or at the head of it is going to be the Catholic Church. And so... This is evident here in this passage, verse five, and upon her head was name was a name given, Mystery Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and the abomination of the earth. Now it's strange how he uses this phrase, Mystery Babylon. Brother Hawkins, didn't we go back to Genesis chapter ten and eleven and prove that Catholicism and all of these other false religions? came from the Tower of Babel and Nimrod? Yeah, we did. And it's uh it's interesting that you brought up Mystery Babylon and 
and the Roman Church, the RCC, the Roman Catholic Church. Um, I know in years of study, a lot of people have equated the Roman Catholic Church to be Mystery Babylon, but I I think that this entails Mystery Babylon entails a greater spectrum of the whole religious system rather mm-hmm. than just one entity. For instance, uh, 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 Islam can fall under that under that description as well because uh, it has some of the same beliefs founded at the Tower of Babel. And uh, so does Hinduism, and even the New Age philosophy falls under mystery, uh, the mystery Babylonian religion. But, yeah, they all come from uh, Babel, as I stated earlier, and um, many other shows. You know, when Nimrod was in power, he, he as Josephus says, he excited the people to build this tower. And, man, I don't know where we might go with the next show, but, you know, talking about uh, uh, technology and where we're at today as far as uh, – because I know I wanted to get into uh, transhumanism for a reason. I know we was talking about that. Uh, Yeah, like I wanted to get into how science – that the, the people in the in mystery religions, they use in science, they, they want to use science to do certain things like DNA manipulation, transhumanism, technology, uh, and they even have, I believe they even have technology that is probably like 100 years ahead of our time. And the reason being is because they have, uh, they have, how can I say unworldly, um, uh, uh, an uh, unworldly association that helps them? Or in other words, the fallen Satan and his fallen angels are helping these elite and uh, helping the elite and the bankers come about with this with with this type of technology. And you know what I'm saying? Looking back at the Book of Enoch and the Antediluvian Age, all of this stuff plays a, a, a role in it. But, again, what was going on at the Tower of Babel perhaps is the same thing as what's going on now with, uh, like, the company CERN, how they are colliding particles together trying to create what they call a mini black hole, but in actuality they're trying to open up the veil. And if you look in uh, Revelation chapter 9, it talks about how the angel fell from heaven with the key to the bottomless pit. Uh, I'm pretty sure we'll get into that in uh, some other shows. But, yeah, uh, these, these mysterious religions that are out here, uh, yeah, they all came from the Tower of Babel and from Nimrod. And uh, it's it's just a matter of time to where this thing is is full scale. Uh, They have the majority of, uh, like I said, looking at Albert Albert Pike's plan for three world wars, we're heading right into the third world, the third world war, using the same bodies of people 
that Albert Pike said uh, would come about, and that's Islam, Christianity, and the Jews, and the Jewish religion. And uh, looking at looking at looking at that, and looking at prophecy, we know that at a specific time, that Judaism is really going to start to play a bigger role than it is now, because you know uh, they are still trying to find a way to build this temple, and they have everything. As a matter of fact, they have used DNA manipulation to bring about the red heifer. And so it's, it's, it's just everything is at the door. Everything is, is right there. Hmm. Interesting. Um, so uh, it's 11 o'clock. Um I'm going to open the floor again for anybody that has any questions or comments before we close out for tonight. Um, Jamel, are you still on the line? I see him, man. Huh? Yeah, I see him, man. Um, Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh. Yeah, I was just wondering if he was still on the line. I see him like he's still in here, but I don't know if he's he's probably away from his phone. Um, okay, um, well, I'm going to uh, end it for tonight. Thanks all. Thank you all, or thank. I would like to thank all of those that called into the show tonight. Um, <clears throat> I really, really wish that there was more people that could has been a part of this, but um, I don't know, Najiti, maybe we should, I don't know, dumb it down some more. <laughs> no, I think it was, people. It was, it was a, I think it was a technical issue because it was a couple of people on. I don't know what happened. I mean, yeah, I don't either. Like, Danny, he fell off. I don't know what happened with him. And then there was another. Uh, I saw, like, two, maybe, like, three North Carolina calls right here. Yeah, uh-huh. West North Carolina. He, she, I think whoever it was, she, um, that person called, and then she hung up, and then she came back. Yeah, it might have been a technical issue. I'm not sure. And but uh, but uh, hello. Yeah, I'm here. Oh, okay. But, yeah, uh, those that were able to call in, thank you for being with us. Um, I hope that you um, will take the time to research. First of all, pray and ask God to give you the discernment to understand and to see that all of these things are told in Scripture. It's, It's all a part of Bible prophecy. And number two... Um, this is all what what we've acquired is not even of our own. You know, it, it's it's something that we've even had to do. We've had to study. We've had to um, read our read the Bible and and um, pray and ask the Lord for for guidance. It just didn't. Um, you know, we're we're not doing this for intellectual satisfaction. You know, we're doing this because we want to warn those that are not aware that of the devil's wiles. And so uh, with that being said, I'm going to close out. Uh, I mean, GT, if you would, uh, could you uh, 
close us out in a word of prayer. Father God, in the name of Jesus Christ, I just want to come to you and say thank you for bringing David and I together and Jamel and uh, Daniel uh, for calling in. And uh, I just pray, Father God, that you open the minds and hearts of the people who listen to the show afterwards. And uh, just encourage them, Father God, to uh, get the rest of the saints to listen, uh, even if they don't call in, but to at least listen to the show to get some information and to encourage them to go and research for themselves and to see exactly what you have to say about the New World Order and the Illuminati from a biblical perspective, Father God, because it's out there and it's real. And, Father God, you you told us in Isaiah how Satan wanted to rise above your throne and how he plans on bringing the world under his dictatorship, under his rule, only for a short period of time before you come and destroy the works of Satan, Father God. And we see it happening right here in front of us. Uh, And your word is on time, Father God. As my wife said earlier, the same way that Jesus said that the false prophets and the false teachers were coming to the world, they are doing exactly word for word what you said, Father, what, the, well, what Jesus Christ said. They are doing it. And the plan to bring about a new world order under a satanic government is upon us, Father God. And we just want the saints in the church to be prepared because although here in America many have enjoyed the pleasures of freedom and freedom of speech, that time is about to shortly come to an end for the Christian church. And I just pray, Father God, that you prepare all of us for what's to come so that we can meet you when the time when the time calls. When you call us up with your with the trumpet call of Christ. The trumpet call of the Archangel Father God. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. So, okay, uh, I'm going to end the call um, and...